Welcome to the Sunday, August 20th edition of the PFF Forecast. We are getting closer. So now it feels a little far away still. Preseason football, we're going to do our best. Uh, our Browns carried us to victory. Hopefully you listened to the last podcast. We'll spend a little bit of time on preseason week two, some of the big takeaways um, and how we might be able to profit and bet on them in the future. We're going to hit um, the last the, the last of the futures markets that we could scrape together uh, to talk about, uh, which are the most least uh, points scored for the season. Um, also a defensive side of that, which is fewest points allowed. So it'll be a good podcast. And we're going to close out with a little bit of golf betting because uh, the tour championship is next week for all the marbles. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Let's rock. Okay, the, the real uh, take guys from preseason week two uh, is that Jimmy G is back. Uh, four for four, um, just a, a, a dynamic performance, clearly showing that he was the reason that Kyle Shanahan and, and the 49ers looked good all those uh, all those years. Um, so I, I don't know if you guys can top that, but that was that was my takeaway from from watching all 22 of every single snap. He must be then the highest graded uh, Raiders quarterback in the system. I would imagine it's got to be him, right? It couldn't be anybody else like Aiden <laughs> O'Connell or anyone, right? <laughs> the great Aiden O'Connell. He has like a 95 PFF grade. Yeah. Um, by the way, if you want PFF grades for the entire preseason, uh, along with all of the other premium data, you can go to pff.com, get yourself a PFF plus subscription. Right now is a good time to do it with fantasy season right around the corner, live draft assistant. Uh, for you to sync your league and then profit from the uh, AI optimized pick suggestions from our guy Timo Riske and uh, and Nathan Yaki, really really good stuff. So go get yourself involved uh, in that right now and get yourself uh, Aiden O'Connell PFF grades. Um, okay, let's let's go and actually talk about some some real takeaways here because there are some, especially if you pay attention to the way that players are utilized. Um, I think there are a couple of interesting nuggets that, um, that that kind of came out of this. Why don't we start with you, Judah, some takeaways from uh, this past week of preseason. Yeah, I'll start with Dalton Kincaid. Uh, and I think I can even just go through my progression. As I saw, you know, the Bills using a, a high pick on a tight end. Tight ends are uh, traditionally not very productive in their first years. You saw like Kyle Pitts on a historic season, which is kind of funny to think about considering what it was last year. And I was like, okay, I guess I could kind of, see this as a, as a future play uh, where they're trying to develop their secondary weapons. Uh, and that's certainly an area of need. And I think kind of the biggest uh, obstacle to, to the Bills' success is the lack of secondary weapons behind Stephon Diggs. All of that is to say uh, Dalton Kincaid played a ton in the slot, uh, almost as if he was kind of just like a, a slot wide receiver. Uh, and I think that's how they're going to utilize him as basically like a hybrid. Uh, and I wonder if they use him as a chess piece the guy who they're basically just going to like get on linebackers, utilize him as a wide receiver. And we should kind of view him in the same way we like talk about Mike Kosicki as really a slot wide receiver and not a tight end. I think that's probably how we should be viewing Dalton Kincaid. Uh, and I think we started to get the the first little bits of that uh, last week. I saw he like had like a solid 20 yard catch of just like I lined him up in the slot, got him on a linebacker right up the seam. And that I wonder uh, if it kind of breaks the mold of a, a tight end, uh, you know, struggling in his, in his first year, really just because he's a wide receiver. 
Uh, and especially if they're utilizing him and getting a bunch of mismatches, uh, I, I think that might kind of ameliorate some of the concerns of a, a Bill's secondary weapon. Obviously, all of this is like reacting to to a, a small sample of games, but it's a at least a little bit of a hint of what of what might be and something I'll definitely be paying attention to early in the season because the secondary weapons of the Bills were, were certainly my primary concern. He had 14 snaps lined up as an inline tight end, 14 as a wide receiver, two out wide, 12 in the slot. Um, and I guess the takeaway here would be, because it when I first heard that, I was like, okay, he's lining up in the slot. Great. You're just converting a tight end into a slot receiver. Like, is that really what you want to do? I mean, he's like 6'3", 250. He's an athlete, but I'm not sure that makes a lot of sense. But assuming that teams are going to react to the personnel, and still treat him like a tight end, right? You're, you know, you can take advantage, I think, of those linebackers more so. Judo, it'd be interesting to see how teams adjust to that, though, because, you know, if you are just going to put him out there in, in the slot all the time, I think it also speaks to the fact that the Bills do not have a particularly deep receiving core, which we've talked about uh, a bunch on uh, this podcast about. Brad, um, what were your, some, some of your takeaways? Yeah, and a stock up on a running back and a, and a stock down on a running back. The first is Javante Williams for the Denver Broncos. I think I've even said on this show, I just did not see him playing early this season. Uh, you know, it wasn't just an ACL tear. It sounded like it was ACL, LCL, you know, all, all the CLs. But he played 12 snaps in the game uh, this past week, looked pretty good. I didn't notice any lack of explosiveness. There will be. You know, there players do not return to 100% health right away, but – He's better than Smaj Piran, even at 85%, probably. Uh, and I think he is going to be heavily involved. So stock up there. Unfortunately for our guy, uh, Devon A. Chain. Also, it, it, it was Devin A. Chain, I swear, a month ago, but now it's Devon A. Chain. So uh, apologies for that one. But anyway, uh, he was he was fifth in the rotation for the for the Dolphins the second week in a row in the preseason, you know, even behind guys like Savan Ahmed. And he got hurt. Uh he got, someone piled dragged him into the ground and hurt his shoulder. So Already kind of wasn't working with the number one offense uh, who did play a good bunch uh, this past week, but he also got hurt on top of that. So he avoided the James or the Dalvin Cook signing, um, but not great early results. We'll see, though. Showed some burst, has the speed, had one very nice run. Um, but, yeah, our, our offensive rookie of the year tickets, uh, I think, took a small hit. Definitely. So, actually, you, you, um, you stole my, my big takeaway, which is I am – I was hunting – for some uh, receiving total uh, props on Javante Williams. He was targeted five times in that game. If you have watched any of the Denver Broncos, I guess we could call it an offense, although it's really more just offensive to watch um, and what they have done. It, it is not particularly explosive. And Javante Williams, <laughs> you know, might be the featured receiver in that, uh, that, that dynamic Russell Wilson offense. I will say Wilson looks a little bit um, more spry, which is good, but five targets uh, in the preseason. I mean, uh, you know, you would expect, you know, once the, once the games actually start happening that maybe they're, you know, needing to check down a little bit more. So I thought that was really interesting. I'll, I'll be keen to see where his uh, receptions prop um, shows up week one. That's one to kind of write down and, and be ready for, especially when it opens. Um, so I think that's a, that's kind of a big takeaway, um, uh, from my side. I, I don't, I, that was going to be my main one, Brad. There, there are some, I think, rookie receivers uh, as well that have kind of shown some, some promise. And I think that's another place to look. Um, you know, we talked about Mingo, 
um, Rice over in, in Kansas City. Um, uh, actually, the, the Niners have had with Bell and what he's done. Um, any of those guys particularly stand out to either of you? Yeah. Yeah, I think I, – go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, uh, actually, looking you know, like the Broncos' snap counts, they put their starters for a while. Like Cortland Sutton got 23 snaps. Jerry Judy got 20 snaps. Mm-hmm. Marvin Mim got 13 snaps. Uh, and I think he's kind of emerged as the wide receiver three, right? Of course, our guy, Marvin Mims. Uh, look, the most important thing, especially if we're, if we're going to be betting into, uh, you know, yardage props or even offensive rookie of the years, you got to be on the field first. And this has certainly signaled that Marvin Mims, at least in the beginning of the season, will be on the field. You can still get him offensive rookie of the year at 100 to 1. Many of these guys on the list, like Corman, not necessarily going to be playing right from the get-go. Mims certainly has the opportunity. I've made the case many times uh, that I'm not buying the, the Broncos offense, but something like Marvin Mims emerging is exactly the ingredient uh, that can kind of unleash this offense, right? If this is a Russell Wilson is the guy who can throw deep down the sideline that fits perfectly with Mims' skill set. You can get 35 to one to the lead rookies receiving 100 to one offensive rookie of the year. If the guy's on the field in week one, he has that opportunity. That's the most important thing. I think there's been a lot of good good results for a lot of these young receivers, frankly. Uh, I agree with you on Mims. I think once Tim Patrick went down, he's clearly the guy there. They traded up for him, so you knew they were going to try to get him into rotation. But, I mean, yeah, Rasheed Rice had a dozen targets, maybe more. The big one for me, though, I think, is Jonathan Mingo. Yes, it, you know, it's going to be a worse offense than, I mean, certainly than Kansas City. Um, but they, they clearly like him, you know, as a blocker. They like they played him at 11 and 12. Like, he was not coming off the field uh, and I think you see already Bryce Young really likes throwing to him. And, and you know, Adam Thielen and DJ Chark are fine professional players. But, you know, Mingo is supposed to be Bryce Young's guy for the next decade in theory. Um, obviously, you know, the, the ideal outcome with the one-two picks there. And I know they pushed very hard, Carolina did, not to give this year a second to Chicago. Um, maybe they, you know, wanted Mingo the entire time and knew that was their target. So, I think mean, he looks good. and they, they, they use him in a lot of different ways. Sometimes rookies will have be less productive because they're not trusted in certain personnel packages or things like that. That does not not appear to be the case with Mingo whatsoever. Such a big opportunity because um, the Carolina Panthers, I don't think are going to be very good this year. Newsflash. Um, and one of the reasons, and we've talked about this, I think there's a little bit of maybe uh, delusion from the part of, of some people thinking that they they do have some, like good receiving core depth. Like I, I like DJ Chark as much as the next guy, but like there's a real opportunity for Mingo to be the number one guy there and, and the number one guy in an offense that has to throw, you know, throw a lot, right? With a rookie quarterback who I think, you know, watching Bryce Young play is a little bit of up and down, but I think what you saw from Bryce Young and we've seen a lot of young quarterbacks, you know, we talked about Trey Lance, we talked about CJ Stroud, where they just don't, quite look like they know what's going on at least Bryce Young feels a little bit more in control I think has a bit more kind of composure there so the chances of those two things both kind of working uh out I think are 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 good what is um does Mingo have a prop out there that we can uh take advantage of it's a good thought uh let me look at it you can get you can get 14 to 1 most the uh, regular season receiving yards among rookies uh, and his offensive rookie of the year odds are uh, you can get it fifty to one on on FanDuel and DraftKings. I see actually also. 
Yeah, I think the, the rookie of the year is going to be tricky, right? Because if he has a good season, that presumably means that Bryce Young has a decent season, right? If he, like, if, I think it would be hard for him to win it over Young. But I really, uh, I do think the rookie receiving uh, total, because you need, like, he doesn't have to be the best receiver. Jackson Smith and Jigba could be the best receiver. He's competing with two very good receivers for targets in that offense, right? So, like, I think that's a, you know, it might be a really good opportunity here um, to, to grab him early, just based on on what we've seen so far from, from the usage. Um, any other takeaways aside from the, the brilliant foresight that I had uh, on Thursday, five minutes before the game started to bet the Browns plus three and a half and what ended up an 18-18 tie? Yeah, we had a, a tough. I did first half and full game on my over. So I did, I think I pushed the first half and then lost the full game by a half point. Maybe some people got 42 uh, instead of 42 and a half. It did finish exactly at 42. Um, so, you know, tough break there for the fellas, but I think we're having, you know, we're having some good takeaways, some good insights. Only last thing I would say, it's not super relevant, but I have to shout him out. Uh, Tyson Badgett, Bears backup quarterback. I think he's going to win the number two job. I think he's going to beat out Philip PJ Walker. Uh, the dude's a baller. So random thought, but he looked very good. Yeah. We can always count on Brad to deliver something about the bears that no one else cares about. Uh, And for that, (laughs) that, we're truly grateful. Uh, At least you didn't, at least you didn't throw out there that we've learned definitively that Justin Fields is the best quarterback in the NFC um, as per uh, Shannon Sharp, I believe's list of, uh, of NFC quarterbacks. Um, That is a scalding hot take. He's prepared himself really well for teaming up with uh, with Stephen A. Uh, Smith. The, the combination of those two talking about football is going to be really an absolute treat to watch. I, I, nothing gets me more excited for a football season than I think it's I think it's Tuesday. Every Tuesday, it's Stephen A.'s list. I don't know if you guys have seen this segment on ESPN, but Stephen A. Power ranks, you know, his top five power ranking, and it is truly a delight. To, to listen, it gives you an insight into what a lot of people that don't, you know, don't listen to great podcasts like this and, you know, kind of understand how football is actually played and what they think is going on in the NFL. It's really tremendous content. Uh, also tremendous content, I should mention, is the printing press discord. For some reason, you are not there yet. I don't know what you're waiting on. But um, the the PFF printing press discord is the place to be this season. We've got over a thousand um, really, really great people in there. Wonderful community, people who bet obviously the NFL, but a ton of other things as well. And uh, there'd be some good reason to to join the Discord this year. Not only are we giving away some printing press hats, we're getting some more merch during the season, be giving that away. And we are doing a guess the lines contest this year um, just to make it a little bo- bit more fun on Sunday night as we guess the lines here uh, right after the, uh, the week uh, commences, or I should say the Sunday commences. Um, on this podcast. So go join. The link is in the description uh, in this YouTube channel, if you're listening on YouTube, or you can find it on Twitter um, in any of our uh, various posts or bios. If you can't find it there, just hit us with a DM. All right, let's get into um, a a few futures markets. We've hit probably every single futures market this off season, but we we managed to find some interesting ones that um, actually could present some value. And these are, we found them on, these are on DraftKings. I think they're uh, elsewhere as well. These are scoring specials for the entire season. So a few markets we're going to hit here. Most points, 
least points and fewest points conceded. So from a defensive perspective, let's start with most points here. Um, not surprisingly, favorite Kansas City Chiefs at plus 500. The Eagles are 6-1. to one. Bills and Bengals both 850. Cowboys are 12-1. to one. The Detroit Lions and the San Francisco 49ers are both 14-1. to one. Los Angeles football superchargers 16 to 1. My Minnesota Vikings are 18 to 1. The Seahawks 19 to 1. Dolphins, Jets, Ravens, Jags, all 20 to 1. I will stop there and I will start with, with you, Judah. What are some of the angles that you like for most regular season points? Yeah, I like the Chargers 16 to 1 most points. And I think the reason for this in particular is if I'm thinking about the Chargers season, especially the Tails outcomes, and we've talked about this a lot, you know, maybe there's some value with Herbert, you know, leading the league in passing yards or MVP. Those are a lot shorter. And I actually think don't directly hit on the thesis that like the Chargers offense is going to be really good as well as this market. Granted, there's going to be some variance here in that like the Chargers offense can be amazing, but the Chiefs are better or the Eagles are better, whatever that is. All but just to say, we know the upside case for the Chargers, uh, which is that Justin Herbert can play at an MVP level. Kellen Moore can unlock a kind of new dimension of this offense. Maybe Quint Johnson uh, is a, an added weapon that they, uh, have have needed, but also I think it particularly fits the Chargers because their defense has been really dreadful uh, for the past couple of years. You know, Staley uh, came in here going to run all this too high stuff, but they can't really stop the run. Uh, and I'm not sure what they didn't add any personnel here that's going to kind of fix that issue. So I see the Chargers as a team that can playing in a ton of shootouts this year. With uh, even if their defense does improve, a league average unit. Adding the fact that like if Justin Herbert plays at an MVP level. The Chargers offense is going to be amazing, and you're getting this at 16 to 1 uh, as, opposed to, as opposed to plus 800, plus 900, whatever his MVP odds currently sit at. I think if we're, if we're betting on the Chargers bullish thesis, this might be the best market to do so. Brad, what do you think? Yeah, you know, similar thoughts, uh, similar to piped up in some capacities. And for me, it's the Jaguars at 20 to 1. Um, you do get a little bit less of, you know, you're going to get some shootouts for the Chargers that probably help when they play the Chiefs twice a year, et cetera. But the Jaguars, I guess, do get one game against Kansas City with that first first place AFC schedule. You know, the concern is the six games against their division. Do maybe they get away with winning games 24-7, things like that. But I don't like their defense all that much. I, I think there are still holes on this unit. They're very young. The injury of Devon Hamilton is a very good player with them on the interior. Um, you know, outside of Tyson Campbell in the secondary, I think there are some question marks. Uh, so I think they are going to have to throw a lot, play through some games, kind of be like a Lion Minnesota type last year where we know they're the better team. Um, you know, they, they were seventh in EPA per play last year. Like we know they're a good offense, but their defense doesn't do enough to get them to kind of just close games out and stop scoring. Um, and, and for me, them being out to the top 10 and odds, I think it's a little bit crazy. Like all of those, uh, you know, I mentioned the Minnesota Vikings, my Minnesota Vikings here. I mentioned this before. I think they could have the one of the better offenses in the NFL this year. Defense is going to be a struggle for them. That I think helps from a scoring perspective, right? If their defense, you know, you look at some of these teams and you go, okay, well, you know, if if my defense is just, you know, really on it, um, will, could that potentially hurt, um, you know, my offenses need to score? I think there are a few teams where that is unlikely to be the case. I think the Lions are one, uh, but the Vikings at 18 to one are the one that really stand out. They have a better quarterback and better receiver, uh, number one receiver than the Detroit Lions do, um, and yet are, are priced um, with with longer odds. So I like I like the the Vikings there. I think the Seahawks. You can make a case for them as well. They play in a division that just aside from the Niners, not going to present 
a, a lot of challenges to them. I think that could both help and potentially hurt, but really good receiving core. Talked about Gino being a top 10 graded player last year at the quarterback position. Uh, and Pete Carroll uh, clearly loves to throw the ball. Maybe he gets in there, takes a few snaps, throws a few touchdowns as well. Um, but that's the one that I like. Um, okay, we're going to get to least points here before we do. Reminder, you can go to DraftKings and bet these yourself. You can also go to DraftKings and join the biggest best ball tournament in DraftKings history, $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes up for grabs. And use promo code PFF when you enter the contest and get your first entry back in DK dollars. Uh, it's with promo code PFF. Start playing best ball today, which in case you're wondering, means you don't have to deal with start, sit, add, drop, trade, none of that baloney. You draft your team and then your top score is count towards your score every single week. You don't have to sub anyone in and you then can be eligible to take home a $1 million top prize. Go to DraftKings.com, download the DraftKings app, either one, use promo code PFF to sign up for the Best Ball Millionaire Tournament with promo code PFF. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. Least points scored. Not surprisingly, the inverse of what we just talked about, uh, Chiefs and Eagles with the uh, the longest odds there, the shortest odds, the Arizona Cardinals, plus 650, Tampa Bay at 9-1, to one, the Washington Commanders, 10-1, to one, Packers and Colts at both 11-1, Tennessee and Houston at 13-1, to one, the Rams and Panthers at 14-1, to one, the Patriots 15-1, Steelers uh, 18-1, to the Falcons are 20-1. to I'll stop there. Um, I have a hunch that there may be a few longer shots that, that you guys like here. Let's start with you, Judo. What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm going Panthers 14 to one. Uh, I think it, it kind of hits on a bunch of themes we've talked about, uh, in the past, which is that I think this is an offense that's going to try and make things very, very easy for Bryce Young and try and make things very easy for Bryce Young means a lot of early down runs. I don't see this as a particularly successful unit. Uh, I don't think they're gonna be able to do that very well, granted, they had a ton of success last year, but this is a totally new regime. Their offensive line is not great. Uh, Miles Sanders is not anyone's idea of a, uh, of a of a great running back, as we've mentioned in the past, uh, with his, his under 925. And I think that's going to put Bryce Young in a bunch of difficult spots and in a bunch of third and longs. And they don't really have the you know receiving weapons to uh, kind of help out Bryce Young on a, on a third and seven, uh, a third and nine type of situation. And I see that as kind of the offense they're going to run, which is going to mean few dri- few plays uh fewer drives uh not really going to be able to sustain drives when they do have them i really just see this as a developmental year for the panthers uh and i'm not i'm not buying the kind of long tail uh on the right side i don't really see the the potential for for too much upside i just kind of a stale offense that's going to run run uh passing punts uh, i think that's the likely occurrence of many many panthers drives yeah, I like that one. And, and I think their defense is solid enough and they're in that division uh, where, where it works out. I'll stick with the AFC South once again. I can't believe the Houston Texans are not in the top five of this list here. Yes, they're right there at six, the 13 to one. Uh, but the thinking there is not only do, you know, I don't love the offense right now. They trotted out a starting trio of Nico Collins, Robert Woods, um, and I can't even think of who the third guy was in the game. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, yeah, John Mechie got tanked out. All these people that, that people love. Dalton Schultz isn't even the clear bona fide starter in this offense. You know, good offensive line, but you lose Titus Howard, the right tackle. Sounds like for a couple of weeks to start the year. And we've talked plenty about C.J. Stroud. I think he did finally actually show some flashes and some really, really nice passes uh, in that game. But I don't think he's going to have a great rookie season. So not only that, but also 
the schedule to a degree. And then I think this defense is actually like low key kind of talented. Um, and I think when you add in D'Amico Ryans, who has proven you know, to be a phenomenal coach, but also you trade up, you know, you, you mortgage your franchise to go get Will Anderson. You bring in some solid veterans in, in the secondary, like a Jimmy Ward on the back end, who obviously played with <clears throat> D'Amico Ryans in San Fran for a couple of years. And their secondary is young and talented. I think we're going to see Derek Stingley, Jalen Petrie, like a lot of these guys step up and play better. Um so yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna play a lot of 17-10 type football games. And I, and I think they're you know somehow a value here just because they're not in the top five. And lastly, the Colts and the Titans are in the top five. Uh, um, you know, so teams they're playing against are not expected to score either. I can get on board with that. Um so I am going to uh I'm going to follow um something I said earlier. Uh the Denver Broncos offense to me is a potentially scary situation. I, I am not going to overreact to the preseason, um, but at 25 to one based on what we saw last year and a little bit of what we've seen this year. And let's just say Sean Payton and what he did with Drew Brees, I'm not sure translates to Russell Wilson. I think there are some reasons it could, right? Like, but there are also some reasons based on what Russell Wilson has done in the past, which is basically just throw deep shots down the sideline, um, you know, not to be overly crass there, where I think this thing could not be particularly great. Um, you've also got, I think, some receivers with a decent amount of question marks there. Um, and uh, so I like them at 25 to 1. Um, I think you could also look at the Colts if you were looking for something with a little bit of shorter odds. The Colts at 11 to 1. Um, and the Texans at 13 to one, um, you know, I think could be a little scary, but I, I like shooting a little bit for the stars here. I think at 25 to one, every other team past that point to me, it basically jumps up to 55 to one really hard to see those teams, um, you know, beneath the Broncos having the fewest points scored unless there's an injury. So I think the Broncos are kind of the, the peak of that, you know, even if their quarterback is healthy the whole year, like they could still, they could still be that bad. Um, so I like them at 25 to one. Judah, you have one more. Yeah, no, I was also uh, looking at this and I'm like, okay, I check another sports book. Their odds are not going to be that much different, right? Turns out if you go on FanDuel and look at these markets, they couldn't be more different. Uh, a couple hmm. that I'm looking at, the Colts are 25 to one, which is, which is popping out to me. I mean, Anthony Richardson's their quarterback. It's uh, the left tail is extremely fat. He's the rawest prospect. Uh, I think that's going to start in in the NFL in a long time. I think it's like 133rd out of 200 quarterbacks in accuracy rating last year. Sure, he might be good in, uh, in the future, but I think his his kind of expectation has got to be extremely low. Talk about also an offense that's going to run very slow uh, with a lot of run plays. And one that I also really like that's 11 to one on DraftKings and 50 to one on FanDuel is the Packers. Uh, who, again, they played at the slowest neutral pace since Matt LaFleur has gotten there. We have no idea what Jordan Love's going to be. Uh, there certainly is a fat left hill there, and an offense that, if Christian Watson doesn't keep up that elite efficiency, has maybe the the uh, one of the worst receiving units in the NFC. Uh, a rookie quarterback, uh, not a rookie quarterback, excuse me, a quarterback who has you know a 90 career dropbacks. Uh, yes, I believe in Matt LaFleur as a coach, but a slow offense, with a unproven quarterback and pretty weak weapons at 50 to one, I think is a crazy price. That's yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. 
Uh, that, that's why you shop around. Um, we should have called this segment comparing FanDuel and DraftKings odds. We got there eventually. That's what matters. Um, points against. Fewest points conceded in the 23-24 regular season. The Niners are 6-1. to one. Ravens are 9-1. to one. The Eagles and the Steelers, along with the Bills and the Jets, are 12-1. to one. Cowboys and the Jags at 14 to 1, the Saints 16 to 1, Patriots 18 to 1, along with the Bengals, the Denver Broncos, Cleveland Browns, Miami Dolphins, and Atlanta Falcons at 20 to 1, the Chargers, Packers, Panthers 25 to 1. Jude, I don't know if you have found this on FanDuel at all. If so, any that immediately stick out um, to you in terms of kind of being mispriced? And, and if not, what do you uh, what do you like here? Yeah, I have not seen anything on on FanDuel and DraftKings. We got some weird things going on between you know, different states. I spent plenty of time in Pennsylvania yeah. and New York recently. Currently in New York, I don't see that market. The only market I saw was the fewest points on FanDuel. But uh, I still do like uh, the Cleveland Browns at twenty to one uh, for the fewest points. Now it's a bit scary. Uh, they're playing in a in a tough division, uh, but ultimately I think strength of schedule and projecting these sorts of things is uh, very fluid in the teams we thought that would be good uh you know coming into the season it's going to turn out that like i don't know the broncos of last year who have a 10 and a half win total actually are a four win team uh that sort of thing happens all the time the main point here is the browns have had an incredibly talented defense for a very 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 long time uh but their defensive coordinator uh lots of plenty of issues there uh that always comes to mind is denzel ward's been one of the best man corners in the league uh, they kind of refuse to play man coverage, but they hired Jim Schwartz this offseason. Jim Schwartz has been one of the best defensive coordinators by uh, many people's uh, metrics. Uh, you add up a team that's got talent. I mean, Miles Garrett's probably the best edge player in the NFL. Uh, they signed Zardarius Smith, Shelby Harris, Alvin Tomlinson, Denzel Ward. Uh, their corners say Gavin, Gavin Newsom, uh, Greg Newsom. Uh, George, I was just thinking about you in California there. Uh, with my with my Gavin Newsom play there. Uh, Greg Newsom uh, has graded has <laughs> out extremely well as a corner. Add in Jim Schwartz to an already talented defense, and I think they have a ton of upside. Uh, and I don't think that's really being being priced in because, frankly, they've underproduced relative to the talent. That's a good point. I'll just say, I'll let you go next, Brad, but the Browns were my bet here. Um, so uh, I co-sign everything that you just said, Judah. Um, and the thing that I will just kind of add on to that is th this market, I think you look at the odds and what we know about defenses is that it's just much, much less stable, right. Than offense. So, you know, as you think about, okay, what, what should I be thinking with this market? I think it's finding there, there are destined to be inefficiencies here where people are, the pricing of this market is basically just looking at like how good were these defenses last year. And, you know, that just tells you less than you'd want it to so much more variance. And a team, the Browns are perfect. The one other thing I'll add you to, in addition to all the talent that they have there, is the inclement weather that they play with at home. It's going to hurt them and it's going to hurt their opponents. And the fact that I don't know if their offense is going to figure it out also will help them, right? In, in that, you know, they may not be in as many shootouts, um, you know, as you would want with uh, when you're paying a quarterback that much. Anyways, love the Browns. Brad, what do you think? Yeah, the, the narrative you just made right there actually ties into my favorite bet here, uh, which is the Washington Commanders at 28 to 1. Um, also playing a bad field, had bad conditions. Their offense probably is not going to be particularly great with Sam Howell. Uh, so they're mm -hmm. going to play a lot of low scoring games. And uh, as of course, we talk about your defense can be predicated on opponents, but 
Commanders last year were a top five defense in the NFL. I think George, you and I talked about this off camera, but they had the fewest turnovers in the entire NFL last year and still were like a top mm-hmm. 10 team in EP per play allowed and success rate allowed. And for me, their big weakness, frankly, was that corner. Uh, you bring in Emmanuel Forbes in the first round, some other pieces, uh, you know, Quan Martin in the second round, the safety kind of, you know, do it all uh, defensive back. And then lastly, I mean, you know, yeah, you get Cowboys and Eagles, which does not help, but you get some Giants and you get some NFC teams. Maybe you get a couple ugly games in there as well. Um, so, yeah, from a value standpoint, that, that's my favorite. I'll let you go, George, but there's so I don't steal it from you. But there's a, a, one team higher on the board I like as well. No, that, that was that was really the one. Um, so you, you, it's impossible for you to steal uh, anything from me. I'll tell you one one team that I'm not betting on, and that's my 49ers at six to one. I think anyone that is betting <laughs> the Niners to, to concede the fewest points at six to one, um, or, or frankly betting any of the, the kind of uh, two teams that are less than ten to one, I think you're you're kind of out of your mind. But um, Brad, I'm curious uh, who your who your other team is. Yeah, uh, the Saints 16 to 1. I know we said defense is not stable, but they've been top 10 in EPA per play allowed four years in a row. They did lose some talent, but they just always managed to overcome it. And you get six games against Carolina, Atlanta, yeah. and Tampa Bay. <laughs> that, 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 that's the thing, right? The offenses uh, own so much of this statistic. Um, yeah. I think that's the, the biggest concern, I would say, Judah, to your point about the Browns. It's just the opponents. But, you know, Hillboro. A little bit of, you know, a little unhealthy here, um, you know, potentially going into the seasons. You never know there. I am. I do think Kenny Pickett is I, I feel like there's, a, you know, a, a chance for him to take the proverbial next step, so to speak. I like that offense a little bit. So might be a little nervous there. But the Ravens and the the Steelers and the, the Bengals, I think all have enough question marks where you can kind of like get over the hump there. I, um, I wanted to just say something on that. The fact that the Ravens are the second, yeah. the second best odds here at plus nine hundred just speaks to the market. I'm like, I'm just like dying to get this out because I think it's absolutely insane. Like, I think the Ravens are going to have one of the worst defenses in the league. The talent is great. They don't have any pass rush. I mean, yeah, they signed yeah. Jadavion Clowney. Great. He hasn't uh, he hasn't been an effective pass rusher in like seven years. Uh, but taking aside Clowney, Odafe Owe was 130th or 125th in pressure rate last year like that was their best pass mm-hmm. rusher uh marlon humphrey's been dreadful outside of the slot uh, brandon brandon stevens is maybe the worst corner uh, certainly at the catch point he's been dreadful also uh preventing separation kyle hamilton's great he'll be you know a, a solid run stopper and and play well in the slot like yeah they've got you know roquan smith the, to plug the the run gas but like unless they're scheming up pressure uh you know to a degree we haven't seen in, in 20 years there's no talent on this defense. None. Yeah, the interior. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, tell us how you really feel. But uh, but no, I, I I completely agree though. No, I mean None. the interior does not generate a generate a pass rush at all. Mar- Marlon Humphrey's hurt. He's probably gonna miss the first couple games of the season. It sounds like too. Like yeah, the fact they're under with George. You said the two teams under ten to one, and I saw Baltimore was the other one with San Fran. I also was like, why are they on that high list? <laughs> we need to get. Uh, we need to get. Actually, we don't need to get um, we need to keep them far away from uh, a PFF subscription where you can just look at the defensive lineup and go, hmm, some of these guys are not very good. Um, that's that's really the analysis here. It's not like, uh, you know, freaking uh, theoretical physics. Um, and uh, the other thing, you know, like 
that offense, I think there are some question marks around what kind of an offense that will be. Do they, you know, is there a transition period where, you know, maybe they're turning the ball over a little bit more? I don't know. I, there are many, many reasons that does not make any sense. Um, I really like this market. I think this is my favorite of the three, just because it, it really appears that there's a lack of kind of understanding of um, like how the NFL works here that I think can be taken advantage of. So um, we managed to get some actual betting advice preseason week two. So shout out to you guys um, for, for that. That's true. That's true grit value uh, delivered to the customer. I appreciate it. I hope that uh, the printing press does as well. Before we get to the tour championship, Fabric by Gerber Life. Um, not something that I think about a lot, which is term life insurance. But many of you out there probably have young families or you think about starting one and you're like, okay, what are all the things that I need to make sure that my family's in good shape? And you probably don't want to spend a lot of time on them. Term life insurance sounds like something that, quite frankly, could take a very long time. But with Fabric, it takes you 10 minutes. It's high quality. It's trusted. You do it on your phone and you can get a great quote without having to go talk to someone on the phone, which just sounds terrible. So go to meet, M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash forecast. That's M-2-E's, a T, fabric.com slash forecast and get started today and then get covered in less than 10 minutes. Um, really, really easy. And then you can go back to uh, taking advantage of these ridiculous markets that you can find somehow still in uh, the middle of August. Policies are issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Okay, we got one last golf tournament. It is the Tour Championship. For those of you who have not been following the wackiness of golf, the way that the Tour Championship works it basically crowns the winner of the FedEx Cup, which is this thing that the PGA Tour came up with to try and make the non-major tournaments interesting and get people to watch golf outside of the majors. What they initially found was that tracking points throughout the season kind of made the like end of season tournaments feel sort of worthless because someone could get a huge lead, largely through winning majors, and then could, you know, kind of you know, top 20 in the last few tournaments and still win the FedEx cup. So you'd have people, you know, ho hoisting the $20 million FedEx cup, at, you know, at the end of the year, but like finishing 20th in the last tournament. So people didn't like that. So now what they've done is they've created this thing where your point total, your standings going into the last tournament, which is the tour championship at East Lake gives you a, basically a stroke advantage that, uh, you know, tries to put your season's worth of, of success into uh, going into that last tournament and give you the appropriate advantage. And then the winner of this tournament wins the whole FedEx cup. So it is a true, you know, winner kind of take all, but because of that, there's this kind of weirdness to how things start out. So Brad, I believe you have this pulled up. There are 30 players that have made it to the tour championship. Scotty Scheffler leads. So he will begin at minus 10 at 10 under. And then from there, it goes all the way down to players starting at even. Do you want to kind of explain how that works? First of all, just this massive tournament now. The, the purse for the winner is $18 million. The majors yep. this year had a $20 million total purse for the entire field. So, you know, it is going to be fun to watch. It's also the 30, maybe not 30 best players, but the 30 most consistent players throughout the season on tour. So you have Scotty Scheffler at, starting at minus 10 in this tournament. Victor Hovland, who shot a 61, a course record today to win the BMW, by the way, which is pretty badass. Yeah. Uh, he's at minus eight. You got Rory McIlroy at minus seven. 
George's favorite golfer. You got John Rahm at minus six. You got Lucas Glover at minus five. A big group at minus four is Max Homa, Patrick Cantlay, Brian Harmon, Wyndham Clark, and Matt Fitzpatrick. I'll do one more group. At minus three, you got Tommy Fleetwood, Russell Henley, Keegan Bradley, Ricky Fowler, and Xander Shockley. Starting at even. That's right. Those guys no, so no, they're at minus three. There, there's a couple. Right, well, I'll, okay. I'll finish it off. All right. Minus yeah. two, you got Tom Kim, Sung JM, Tony Finau, Corey Connors, Siwoo Kim. Minus one, Nick Taylor, Adam Shank, Colin Morikawa, Jason Day. Last but not least, at even, Sam Burns, Emiliano Grillo, Tyrrell Hatton, Jordan Spieth, and Sepp Straka. Okay. So I, I guess the first question is. Um, and, and by the way, we couldn't find odds on this yet. So we'll talk about it more on Wednesday when, when odds are out there, um, if, if there's any value, but, um, I guess the, the kind of the first question is like, how far back, you know, are you kind of willing to go here? Obviously Scheffler is going to be a prohibitive favorite, even more so than he normally is going into a tournament because he has a lead. Um, so, you know, I guess from your perspective, Brad, like, where's the cutoff? What, what, what is the last position at which you think someone can come through and win the tournament? I think it's a combination of how far back and also just the, the pool of players. For me, it's the top 10. And, and the 6th through 10th player is at minus 4. So you're already starting 6 strokes behind a Scotty Scheffler. But because it kind of goes quickly down to minus 8, you're 4 strokes back of a Victor Hovland. You know, a, a one-hole swing where you birdie, he bogeys, and you're already pretty close. So uh, I go there, and that group of just, again, is Homa, Cantlay, Harmon, Clark, and Fitzpatrick. I mean, those are major winners from this year or guys that have finished in the top 10, top 20 a dozen times this year. I think that trench of players I, I would look into be, below that. I'm not really sure. You know, I think those guys can make up the difference. Yeah, it's going to be tricky. Um, I, I wish Shoffley were a little closer. So I, I looked at um, looks up at, on uh, data golf. Thanks to you, Brad. And um the Eastlake Golf Club, um, you know, they've been playing the Tour Championship there for a little while. Um, and so it's not quite Augusta National in terms of how predictive previous uh, performance has been. Um, but it's certainly not the least predictive. It's kind of right in the middle there. Um, an adjustment of, let's see, like, you know, I guess 0.5 or, or uh, yeah, 0.05, I guess, um, uh, strokes gained based on uh, prior history. So that's not nothing. Um, Shoffley has had the best true strokes gained um, on the course um, uh, over the past five seasons. Um, he finished fourth last year, T5 the year before, T2 the year before that, second the year before that, and T7 in 2018. Um, so in 24, he's had 24 rounds there, plus 3.34 true stroke gains, true strokes gained. He's been phenomenal. So I don't know if he, he feels a little far out, but he's a guy that can go super, super low. Scotty Scheffler and Rory both looked like they were putting with a, a an axe today, um, which, you know, can can potentially exacerbate itself. And that maybe opens the door. Um, a guy like John Rahm, potentially, who's um, played really, really well at Eastlake in the past. T15 uh, last year, second year before and fourth year before that. Um, interestingly, a guy that has also had a ton of success there uh, was Justin Thomas. Um, but, uh, don't think that, uh, don't think you can, you can score low if you're not playing in the tournament. So, um, I think those are a couple that I'm kind of looking at as, uh, as the odds come out, uh, where's Shoffley starting again, 
Brad? Is yeah, so I think Shop is a great shout. So he's just one stroke below at minus three. But I will say the main reason I didn't like that cluster, like I like Tommy Fleetwood, but I think he needs everything to kind of go his way to win a tournament. Russell Henley is a good player. Has, you know, I mean, consistent this year. Keegan Bradley, all due respect, is not going to make up a seven-stroke thing. Ricky Fowler, I also don't feel the way about Ricky Fowler. Shoffley could go out there and shoot a 63 on the first day and immediately be in the mix. He, he's that type of guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've seen him open up with um, low 60 score in, in big tournaments already um, at the U.S. Open. Didn't close it out. But um, Judah, budding golf aficionado, your take. Yeah. I think that's that's right in a sense of like you want to be looking for guys uh, who can put up, you know, the my like shooting a 62, a 63, whatever it is. as supposed to like guys who need to shoot like consistent 67s to win a tournament. Like Brian Harmon, I don't think is a guy who's going to, you know, just like go out and make up the difference. He's going to win the tournament like he did. He's just got to be super consistent over four days uh, shooting like six, 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 sevens. I think John Rahm's a guy, even we saw it also in the open, just like who can rip off a crazy score. Uh, he's someone I'd keep my eye on. Uh, Patrick Cantlay as well also uh, can just, you know, have that that kind of uh, upside of a day. Um, look, I think uh, Scotty Scheffler is is there for a reason at the top of the leaderboard. He's unbelievably consistent. If you just look at his T-degree rankings at every tournament, with the exception of one, it's just like he's first, second, or or third. And uh, he's he's uh, in first place for, for a good reason, and it's going to be tough to dethrone him. That's a good point. I'm bummed there are no uh, odds out. It's a, it's a major loss. There's nothing to bet on this beautiful Sunday evening, and we can't get odds out for the Tour Championship. Just sad. It's really sad. Maybe it's maybe it's because of the hurricane. Hurricane and the earthquake. Let me tell you something. No one overreacts to weather like Californians do. This has been an absolute privilege watching people pretend that um, the end times are near. Um, little little uh, little wet outside, but uh, I think everyone's going to survive our podcast god willing i don't get washed away and i will be back with these beautiful uh people on wednesday evening we're getting very very close to actual nfl football um it's going to be a great show so come join us on wednesday we'll also be doing our uh kind of intro to the guest the lines contest over the next week so make sure you tune in so you can uh, get all the details for that and make sure you are a part of it to do that you will need to join the discord so you can get out ahead and uh tap that link and get yourself involved Have a wonderful start to your week. Love y'all. Peace.